It's good to be here. Um, I believe Lily gave you a little introduction of this training and what we are trying to do, right? And um, how many of you, that, let me just see, are currently leaders uh, in, of health ministries in your church or the conference or, okay. Good, so the great majority. How many are lay members of a team in the church uh, of health ministries and are here to learn and be engaged? Great. Anybody that doesn't fit any of the two categories, you're not involved at all and you don't plan to be involved uh, on a health ministries team. Okay, good. You may not be, but all, everybody's interested in being involved. I can tell you, I am seeing God move and bring people into this area like never before. Isn't that exciting? Because this is a big need, as we're going to talk about now, is uh, really a huge need uh, in the community for wholeness, for healing. And we have the opportunity to be extending the ministry of Christ through this way. Now, there are many issues that are obstacles for us in this process. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of them. And that's why we decided the very first session of the training will be a session that looks at the philosophy of health ministries. Why are you doing this in the first place? Why is this important? And if we look at the philosophy from a biblical and inspirational standpoint, we'll be able to then have a balanced ministry. Uh, many times what occurs is people don't stop to really understand and study why this is uh, important, this ministry is important, and how to have uh, the, the right way to effect this ministry in the church. Uh, and then it becomes an unbalanced ministry. How many of you are pastors? Any pastors in the crowd? One pastor? Two pastors? Okay, good. The other, we had like almost half the class there were pastors. Um, if you are a minister, you might have come across situations where churches um, have struggled with this. You have some people that are passionate, but then they are in one extreme, uh, really judging others for whether or not they're following others should be following in terms of the diet, in terms of, of, of the health principles that we as a church are, are known for. And on the other hand, you have others that don't really care at all really about that and are not, not interested. And so many times uh, there's friction when it comes around this topic. Anybody has experienced that in their church? Yeah? Let me see the hands. Great number of you. <laughs> and unfortunately, this works against the message that God has given us and the opportunity that he has given us to use this message as the right arm. So this morning, um, what we will be doing is trying to bring some of these principles from a biblical standpoint, uh, looking at the philosophical foundations, looking at how to have a balanced, biblically based, and a very effective, successful ministry in your church. If you are to do that, you need to look at the biblical and um, inspir inspiration um, that we received uh, in terms of this. So the objectives are to introduce you to a biblical and spiritual foundation. Can you see it? Am I ahead in front of you? <laughs> or to also explore the reasons behind the ministry of healing and wholeness and examine how to use the right arm, which is what this message is, in the right way. Now, this is important because most, I don't know if you've uh, got to know about the golden circle. Have you heard of the golden circle theory? <laughs> this is a, a theory that I, I came across actually in one of those TED Talks. Are you familiar with the TED Talks? 
those short 15-20 minute talks uh, that are online and people uh, talk about some topics that are very important. Yes, you have a question? Uh, did we pass out the handouts? Oh, uh, okay, so we're passing them out now. <laughs> uh, here. <laughs> no, that's no problem. Uh, this goes on right on the first module, okay? And um, let's see, we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And uh, so, yeah, we may need to make some two or three. Oh, there's another, there's a couple of others here too. Lily, there's a couple. Let me just get one of them so we can make copies if we have to. Just set aside one of them and um, the others we can pass out. All right, so that goes right behind the first uh, module there. Okay, I'll wait until you have that. But let me tell you, so the golden circle, um, I came across this gentleman talking about the importance uh, of this theory because most successful companies or leaders in the world use this, this, this model. And that is, when you have something that you want to uh, inspire others to do, or you, if you have a, uh, an idea or a product that you want to be well accepted, uh, you can share that in different ways. One of the ways is to talk about what you have. So say, for instance, if it's if it's Nike or if it's a big company, IBM, Apple, and they come out with a product, right? Uh, focusing on what they're selling or what uh, they want people to grasp <clears throat> is one way. And then, then you, they say how they can buy that or acquire that or incorporate that. And then last, they say why. So look at this new iPod. Um, this is how you can use it, how you can get it, and this is why. But that's not what Apple does, and that's not what most successful people and leaders like Martin Luther King or others. Okay, we're making a few extra copies. How many still needed and didn't get it? One? Six. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, what they do is that they barely spend time talking about the what but they spend more time talking about why. So uh, when Apple is trying to sell something, they are not, they're not focusing on the product, on the computer itself, they're focusing on the fact that people that, that um, acquire those, they are special people, they are smart, uh, and that the company is innovative. And so they focus on why they are better than others or why this is important, and they focus on uh, after they spend a lot of time talking about the why, then they talk about the how, and then, by the way, this is the product. So they don't have to really spend too much time discussing uh, the issue at hand, but, they, but why that is an important issue. Same thing with Martin Luther King. He was able to mobilize people, uh, not to really what he wanted them to do, but why that was important. And once people understood why, they embraced it. And then he would say, come here, do that, do that, they'll do it. Because they understood why that was important. And the same thing is what we're trying to do here. We want you to understand why this message is important and um, 
then how to administer it, how to bring it to your church, to your community, and lastly, uh, what it is, which is the information that you'll be teaching. But if we don't spend time with the why God has given us, people may not embrace it as they could if, if they understood that. The truth that makes men free is for the most part the truth that men prefers not to hear. Do you identify with that? Many times we don't want to hear what is really truth. We want to hear what we want to hear. And this is not even a, a Christian, perhaps, I don't know. Herbert Agar, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. And he wrote that the truth that actually is the truth that will make people free many times is the truth that people don't want to hear. And I find that very true in terms of our health message. Don't you find that? Sometimes when we, you know, we, this is going to help you. It's going to free you from uh, all this, you know, sickness and chronic disease and this mind that's totally blocked and cannot understand uh, God and what he's trying to teach. But if you follow these principles, you know, you can free yourself from that. Well, people don't want to hear that many times, right? And, uh, but let's understand why. So here is God saying to us, and this is uh, from the little magazine dialogue. Some of you might have uh, know what that is. And it's for the college or university students. And uh, God is saying, here, I am the way, the truth, the life. He's saying, um, I make before you the path of life and the way of death. Jeremiah says that, and also Deuteronomy says that. Uh, and this is what we've been singing all week long. I choose, you have the choice of life or curses, blessing or curses, life or death. He also says, make level paths for your feet. And then he says, I am the way. And then we are hearing, and then what we'll say? We turn around and say, oh, but there's a shortcut over here. So we don't want to necessarily accept what God tells us to be the truth, the way, the true way to life. And then in Ecclesiastes says, God made mankind upright, but men have gone in search of many schemes. And this is what many times we encounter in the churches that we are working and sometimes in our own lives. So in order for us to understand uh, the reason why of this message, we need to understand the big controversy, the big history that goes from before creation all the way to the very last time when we'll be in the new earth. And throughout this time, God has sent messages to his people to restore them to his original plan, right? So he created an Eden, Adam and Eve, and he gave them, the, again, the choice for life or death, but they had to choose. And uh, when they chose the wrong choice, he already had a plan, and he sent out then his first message to them in the form of Jesus coming and telling them in, three, in Genesis 3.15 that somebody would come and will uh, then free them, was Jesus, um, and really get to the head of Satan and really be able to show hope for them, restoring them to the original plan. And ever since, they were looking forward for that, for that one that would come. And then comes Noah time, many years pass by, another message he sent to them, saying, go, I'm going to destroy this world, but it's not good, but I have a plan. And Noah started preaching for many years. That was the message that God had given for that day, the message of restoration, that they could be saved. And so they did that for a period of time. How many people accepted that message? Very few, right? And so that, again, after years, 
God goes and calls Abraham. Now, this is after the flood. Again, his people were all dispersed, and he had a message for that time. Another, what we call present message that would bring restoration. And he said, I'm going to make you a big nation. I'm going to take you out. You're going to represent me to the people. And so Abraham, you know the story, finally had his son, and then finally the people of Israel came. They were in Egypt, and then he sends another message. So every period of time, God sends messages, which are called present truths for that time, to restore people back to his plan. And uh, after Abraham, you know the story, Jesus eventually came, as he was promised, and he came with a message, and he was the message of restoration himself to restore people back to the original plan, saying the kingdom of God is come. I am the way, the truth, the life. I came to give you life. You know, all you need to do is accept me. And uh, that was the message, the present truth for that time. Always a message of grace. Always a message of salvation. A message that is a message that never condemns us, but is a message that gives us grace and with a goal to restore us. Now, just like that, around 1844, well, I'll talk about that later, but around 1844, again, God calls the people with another present truth, a present message that needed to come, and as part of that is where our message of health comes in. So what was the purpose? I want to suggest to you three purposes for this message. And if we only use one of the purpose of the message, we are unbalanced. We miss it. We need to be able to see it in the light of these three areas at least so that we can be effective. One of them is abundant life, right? It's to live a life that's free from disease if possible, or at least try to prevent disease as much as we can so that we can have all of our abilities, mind, body, and spirit to use the gifts God given. Does that mean that if you follow this message, you won't get sick? No, necessarily. There's disease, we are in a sin-filled world, and there are many people, faithful people of God, who follow all his principles but still get cancer, who still get sick, who can, will still die. And we need to be able to understand that. We'll talk a little bit about that. But if we follow the promises God gives with this and statistics show an abundant life. Second aspect is glorify God's name. Not forget longevity, forget you know, prevention from disease. The reason we're doing it is to glorify the name of God. And we'll look at that. And the last third reason is to fulfill a mission for this time. A mission that he gave to this church and to his people to proclaim a message of hope and salvation to the world. And this message is the right arm of how we're going to fulfill the message. Now, here are some texts, again, that we saw in the little cartoon. I have said before you, life and death. God always trying to give us life. We're going to talk a little bit about the abundant life. I have said before you, the way of life, how to live this life that's abundant. Then we've been the whole week here, every evening, hearing about those principles of abundant life. Uh, in our classes that you're teaching, that you're learning during the day, you're learning about this abundant life. We're thinking how to choose full life is our choice. Uh, and then, of course, I have shown you the path, the journey to life. And many texts in the Bible talk about the fact that if we follow the plan of God for that, we will be blessed. This is one of them. It says, if thou uh, will 
diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight, what will happen? If you give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, none of these diseases uh, will, upon thee, will be put uh, upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals thee. This is one text that says that if you follow his commandments, you will not have the same diseases that the people that are around. And here's again, if you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow these laws, uh, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. And he, as he swore to your forefathers, you will be blessed more than any other people. And the Lord will keep you free from every disease. Now, here, many people use this text to give you an assurance, and this is an unbalanced way to do it, that if you follow it, you're not going to have any disease. Right? That's, that's like what it sounds. It will keep you from every disease. So how do we use, how can we understand this text? And at the same time, see the reality that many people who follow these statutes and the principles that we have still get sick and die. Anyone? Amen. Very good. Very important point, which we'll spend uh, quite a bit of time talking about. Um, that, of course, we look at three purposes. We're looking now at abundant life. Abundant life comes, uh, and actually our immune system is benefit, benefits when we have this relationship with God. And he's calling us with this message of grace to engage in this very close, intimate relationship. And of course, yes, the research does show, you look at it, the Evans Health study, you look at many other studies, that when we follow these principles, you have less risk for disease, you have less risk for um, some of these chronic issues that are attacking people. Is that a guarantee, a 100% guarantee? We know that our body will be stronger to fight the diseases when they come. But the more important thing, which our brother here so wisely uh, pointed out, is that we are connected with the giver of life. And no matter what happens, we don't know. Job, you know, he was a faithful son of God. But there is a great controversy happening. And sometimes we don't see God's purposes on allowing us disease or allowing us to suffer some things that we suffer. So we have to keep the perspective in mind. That's right. Yeah, and it, but see, that's very true. That's a very important point, too. But even those who are born and are maybe following all their lives, we still know they, they may get ill and die, right? Now, of course, it will decrease disease. This is a very important point because there are many people that teach this message as a guarantee that if you follow it, you live long. If you follow it, you will not have the diseases. And God's promises are real. And really, we are going to reduce hugely the amount of risk that we have. But we have to be able to embrace people when they do get an illness. I don't know how many of you have heard Vicki Griffin talking about her husband. You know they have a wonderful ministry. They became Seventh-day Adventists later in their teenage years. And um, living all the principles that we know of. And he got cancer and he died. And many people will come to her and say, oh, what did... Maybe was he resting enough? Was he eating enough of this? Or did he like sugar? Oh, maybe trying to find a reason 
Why? And this is not a grace-filled message if you're doing that. Yes. We don't have eternal people at this point, right? Not yet. Eternal life is coming. So, but the way we embrace those who fall ill or who die or who, for whatever reason, uh, are afflicted, we need to embrace them not with a judgmental. What did they do to receive this, right? Oh, maybe they didn't follow all the principles. There's some principles they didn't follow or else. No, it's to be able to embrace people as they go through this, helping them in their journey to find wholeness even though there is a diagnos diagnosis. Yeah, well, there is a bigger picture sometimes that we are not able to see. And I think we'll be able to ask God many questions uh, in terms of this. We're, we're trying to understand what his message is. But the, the thing is, there is this big picture we need to keep in mind that whatever happens uh, is best to follow his principles because they are the way to life, eternal life above everything. Not that by following, we get salvation. If we don't follow, we don't get salvation. Again, another mistake that many times we do when we teach this message, that if you want to be in heaven and be saved, you got to do this. If you don't do this, you're not saved. And many people are judged again. Uh, we know that as we walk with God, we more and more will see his will and we will try to follow his principles. And this is what he does with each of us. And all of us are in a, in a journey uh, somewhere along the road where God is teaching us. And the more we seek now revival, you know, the whole world church is seeking revival, reformation, transformation, and the Holy Spirit uh, to be poured out, the more we will understand the need for our own personal growth in this area. But not to put that into others and judge what they're doing. We need to be able to teach this in a balanced way with a loving message of grace. And that's why uh, this message should be a message of grace. Now, God did intend to remove disease from those, the Israelites. Remember, they were there, people around them, the heathens had all these habits that were harmful. And God used uh, the prophets, the, the priests, to bring in Moses, to bring laws of health, public health laws, that were to help them, you know, secure, uh, you know, prevent some of that contamination or communicable diseases, you know. So you see all those laws, those public health laws, and what to do with the food, with the blood, with if somebody got sick, you know, where they needed, all of those little laws were to help them uh, secure or prevent disease from spreading and also uh, from, from really um, attacking or, or having epidemics in those thousands and thousands of people that camped together uh, as they did, the Israelites. Now, the priest was the center figure. He was there to bring healing physically, they would come to him, show them if they were ill. But he was also there to bring the spiritual healing. So see, the physical and the spiritual was always connected. And he was the one who did that. Then came the prophets. Same thing, Elijah um, and other prophets. People would come to them with the illness and also to find healing in the word of God uh, for their spiritual needs. So all the while, since the Old Testament, um, th there was this combination of physical, mental, this combination of full person health or whole person health. Jesus himself did that. 
and he taught and he preached and he healed. Uh, always bringing the mind, body, spirit concept of wholeness uh, to his life. And then finally, when he was ready to return to his father, he sent the disciples to do what? The same, right? In um, the book of Luke 9-2, he sent them to do what? Preach and to heal. Now what is more important, to preach or to heal? To heal. Huh? Both. Very good. It's both, isn't it? Um, he did both. Both are important. If we do this, the preaching, and we are not bringing this message of healing of body, mind, and spirit with it, it's a half message. If we're doing the healing and focusing only on the healing, only on the wonderful humanitarian work that we can do as a church, but we're not preaching the truth in the word, we are half-hearted. So we are not really bringing the full message of the gospel. Now, Jesus came so that you and I could have this abundant life. And during his ministry, the truth is that if we look at the gospels, he seems to spend more time healing than he did preaching. If both are important, why did he spend more time healing? He spent more time healing, right? Not that it's more important, but he spent, but why did he spend more time healing if both are important? Very good point. You're? Exactly. It was the need. This is so important for us to understand. Why is it that we need to come and, and really focus on the healing? It's not that it's more important than the preaching. They go together. But people are in need, and if they can find uh, you know, their mind clear enough, to understand um, the truth of the preaching, they're not going to be open to that and, and really grasp it. We need to meet their need where they are. And where is people's needs? Their physical needs, their emotional needs, their social needs. These are all needs that people have. And of course, ultimately, they have a deep need in their soul that sometimes they don't even know. But by meeting those needs that are basic, we can actually what be the entering wedge for the real need that they have in their soul. It is. Words. Very good point. You are preaching when, what you're, when you're bringing the healing to people with a touch of love. You're preaching who God is. And that's why it's so important. Somebody had their hand up here? That's right. This is powerful because when people, like he said, I don't know if you all heard what he said, but when people recognize that they are there and they're so vulnerable with their, their health, whatever it may be, physical and mental, emotional, and there's nothing they can do, they are open for that healing power of Christ uh, to come and really bring them to wholeness. Uh, and that's a huge opportunity to find healing that way. So Jesus did that. And this word sozo in the scriptures uh, those of you who are ministers may remember this is a Greek word that means to heal and to save. In many instances in Jesus' ministry, we see this word used that he wasn't just saving the soul of someone, but he was healing the soul of someone uh, as well as saving. When he healed, remember the story of the paralytic? He healed the physical and forgave his, the sins so that he brought pardon to them and then health. 
he's the one who pardons all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Always together, the preaching, the healing. Uh, we are making more copies if you need any copies that she went to make, but there are books in there. Yes, thank you so much for helping us on that. Now, we need to understand Christ's mission if we are then to be able to do this as he would have us do it. So Christ's mission, he was an, a weird servant of what? What we just talked about, man's necessity, man's needs. He took our infirmities and bare our sickness. So not only that, he took that upon himself, what we lived, what we go through each day so that he would identify with us. So that he what? That he might minister to every need of humanity. So the burden of disease he came to remove and the wretchedness of sin. And it was his mission to do what? Bring man to complete restoration. He came to give them health, but not only health, peace and perfection of character. So it's a whole package. It's about the physical, the mental, emotional, and spiritual. Very important for us to think that. Now, that abundant life uh, that is wholesome is not an end in itself. It's not just so we can be happy and we can find healing and we can live long. Oh, those Adventists, they live 10 years longer than everybody else. How, oh, they must be special. It's not that we are more special than anybody else, but it's the fact that as it says in the scripture, when we follow the, 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 the principles, it's like we are open to see God act in our lives. And uh, when we do that, we are glorifying his name. It's what in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19, 20, it says that we should do that to glorify his name. Now, in Isaiah, is another way biblically looking at Jesus' mission. And what does it say? That he's, God sent him to heal the what? brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn the losses. Like our, our friend said here, the losses of many losses, not just of an illness. It could be a loss of a job. It could be loss of, of a vision in life, uh, of a spouse, of a loved one. Uh, many losses we go through in life. And so comfort those who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, to give them the oil of joy, for mourning and to give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And lastly, why? So that he may be glorified. So he did this to give people life, an abundant life, but also so that he may be glorified. This is something very, very key that we need to be able to uh, remember. First Corinthians said that do you not know? Some of us know this by heart. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that you are uh, home for, whom you have from God and that you are not of your own? So what does it say? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So when we are leaving this, we are glorifying Him. Now, whatever we, you eat, whatever you drink, Whatever you do, you're not doing it just so that you will live long and have health. It's much more than that. It's so that you can glorify God and worship Him, give Him glory. Uh, this is another wonderful text that I wanted to show you because this one here, I think, clearly tells us 
about why this abundant life is so important. Why do we get this 10 years longer on average, according to the Advanced Health Study, if we follow these principles? Well, it says here on Inspiration Testimonies uh, 6, page 378, 379, life is a holy trust which God alone can enable us to keep and to use for what? To his glory. Now, read with me here this text. It says on the second dot here, days, months, and years are added to our existence that we may what? Improve our opportunities and advantages for working out our individual salvation and by our unselfish life, promoting the well-being of others. So why, why do, should we strive to live long and have days, months, and years at it? Exactly, to be able to promote the well-being of others. So it's the ability for us to use the gifts he's given us so that we can be a blessing to more. And look at here. Thus, if we do that, we may build up the kingdom of Christ and make manifest the glory of God. Again, glorifying him. And it goes on. How? Now, we, if we don't do that, if we don't follow those principles and we don't have you know, the, the, the strength to do those, what happens? The misuse of our physical powers shortens the period of time in which our lives can be used for the glory of God. And then it unfits us to accomplish the work that God has given us to do. See? So if we're not following it and we're not having, you know, these long days and years added, we're not as able to fulfill the mission that he has given us to do, the very work, it says, uh, that he's given us to do because the shortens the period of time that we can serve. And it goes on. How can we do that? How do we misuse our powers? It says, by allowing ourselves to do what? Form wrong habits. By keeping what? Late hours. I have many times to read this over and remind myself, right? We're working for God, but we're keeping late hours. By gratifying appetite. What is appetite? Is that just food? No, right? Of course, food is huge, but there's appetite for internet. <laughs> there's appetite for shopping, for talking about others. <laughs> there's all kinds of appetites that many times we have and that we create those habits that are not good. Anything that's done in unbalance, too much of, even if it's good, it can be um, an intemperance. And so it, by gratifying our appetite for whatever it is we have at the expense of health, we lay the foundation for feebleness. And then it says here what? By neglecting physical exercise, by overworking our mind and our body, what happens? We imbalance our nervous system. And then the opportunity of blessing others. Remember, that was the whole point of us living long. The opportunity of blessing others, the very work uh, which God sends us to do is cut short. And then if you keep on reading, it says that we are guilty of depriving the world of good. The good that we could have you know, brought to the world on behalf of Christ because of those habits that we just talked about. Late hours, no exercise, wrong habits, gratifying appetite, and on and on and on. 
that way overworking our mind, overworking our body, and bringing imbalance to our nervous system. Yes, this is, uh, count, uh, this is Christ Object Lessons, page 346. If they were to receive healing, they may not glorify God. So many times she doesn't bring, uh, God doesn't allow the, uh, the healing many times. Because, yes, there are several texts that she talks about that. Then they may pray for healing, but because they're not living those principles, if, she, if God was to give and bring healing, many times they would not glorify him because the way they're living is not living the principles. Now, does that mean that God is not merciful and he's not going to bring healing? No, there are many times that despite that, God still keeps us going and he gives us opportunities. So it depends. Every person is different. But we need to simply, you know, be able to accept many times the fact that uh, we want healing without really necessarily doing what he's called us to do many times in these areas. So thank God for his grace and mercy towards us, who many times still brings healing despite of that, giving us an opportunity to wake up <laughs> and change. So this is the a worship that we are doing when we're following it. We're glorifying him. We're doing what he's called us to do. Therefore, I urge you, here is Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, acceptable to, to God, and because this is your spiritual service of worship. It's very, very important. Now, again, God bringing always his people, bringing restoration, asking us to worship uh, him in this way, and the enemy... From the beginning, he knew. He knew that God sent a period, uh, a message of restoration and grace. And so the enemy knew in that he brought his mission to, let, to light. And his mission was that, no, God is not going to have full control of these people. They're not going to be able to bless others as you know, abundantly as he plans because I'm going to introduce things that will distract them. And so it says here, Satan is constantly on the alert to bring the race fully under his control. And so his strongest hold of all the holds that he has is what? The appetite. And he seeks to stimulate that appetite in every way he can. And it goes through intemperance. This thing that we we're talking about, even doing a good thing in a very imbalanced way, right? Satan works to destroy our mental and our moral powers, uh, which God gave man as priceless endowment. Thus, it becomes impossible, impossible for men to discern or appreciate things of eternal worth, right? So if he knows, if he brings intemperance to us, even to his children who, is following, who are following his principles, he will uh, make our mental and moral powers weak. And then we won't be able to understand and discern things of eternal worth that God wants us to teach, uh, wants to teach us through the indulgence of perverted appetite, and we're talking about not just food, any appetite. Of course, food is one of the very strong ones that drive others. Many place themselves in such a condition of health, there's constant warring against the soul's highest interest. The truth, though it may be presented in clear lines, God can come here today and say, this is the truth, clearly is not accepted. Isn't that amazing? Now, here you can understand why also the healing ministry of Christ to help people break away and, and have an appetite that's under the control of the Holy Spirit is important because that will open up uh, people's minds to be able to discern the clear message that God wants us to discern, especially as we live in the very last days.
Do you believe we're living in the very last days? Aren't we? Now, if we are, we need to be ready to the, for the trials that are ahead. And how are we to stand the, to discern between truth and evil? What's right, what's 99.9% .9 right, but has a little bit that's not right. How are we to perceive that if our mind and our moral powers are destroyed by our appetite? How are we to perceive that if we, God can come and tell us what is the right uh, truth for our time for us to do, and we won't be able to accept it because of this uh, intemperance? So this brings another dimension to why. A few understand how much of their habits of diet have to do with health, with character, and with usefulness and uh, the eternal destiny that we have. And so this, there is a spiritual link uh, starting with the diet and going into some of these other areas. Anything that lessens our physical strength, anything, will enfeeble our mind and make us less able to discriminate between what's right and wrong. We become less capable of choosing the good. We're talking about choosing life, choosing full life. We won't be able to choose full life as we should and we'll have less strength of will to do that which we know that we should do. And that comes when Holy Spirit is not in full control of our minds. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit include many, love, joy, all, and you go through the list. And one of them is what? Temperance and self-control. So the ability to have this appetite and this drive under the Holy Spirit comes as a fruit of the Spirit. He's the one that helps us to be able to balance and have um, you know, temperance in our lives, self-control in our lives. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And that's why the relational piece that we were talking earlier is so key uh, for us to be able to do that. Now, God saw his pioneers in 1863 preaching and they were diving into the pork and sleeping late hours and working hard and not resting and eating all that butter and all that fat and all those things. And they were getting sick. They're getting ill. Many of them were in the farm and they ate not very well and they didn't rest well. So he sent in 1863 that beautiful message, uh, the health message, to help them um, clear their minds and be able to work in a balanced way. So health reform, it was shown to her to be the third angel's message. The message that we're gonna be, it was going to be the right arm, just closely connected with the body in, in many ways. So she saw that we as a people must make an advanced move in this area, and that's what we did. The Adventist Church became pioneers, as you know, in this area. Uh, Battle Creek and, you know, Dr. Kellogg had an influential role, and uh, all the pioneers started to change, slowly change their habits. And they started to have more energy, more life, uh, and then it started to have their minds better prepared. This is another text that talks about the fact that all are bound by the most sacred obligation to God to heed uh, the sound philosophy and genuine experience which he has now given, that was back then, uh, to them in reference to health reform. He designs that the great subject of health reform shall be agitated and the public mind deeply is stirred to investigate, for it's impossible for men and women, again, the same text saying that uh, it's impossible for them with their sinful, uh, health-destroying, brain-innervating uh, habits to discern sacred truth. So 
that is what they needed to do to heed the sound philosophy of health so they could be sanctified, refined, elevated, and made fit to the society, uh, for the society of heavenly angels and kingdom of God. Was that saying that they were going to be saved by this message? No. No. Simply it would make them fit so their mind could grasp, their body would have energy to really do the work and, and, as they should. And so, unfortunately, well, I'm actually going to just show that because many of them were not trained in, as professionals. There, there wasn't even, back then when she first got this message, any medical schools, nursing schools, or anything like that. But people were dying, you know, just like in this cartoon here, the lost were saying help. Uh, even the pioneers were saying help because they didn't know the message when it came, first came. But now they had the message and people out there were saying help. They were drowning in their life. But then, you know, maybe this is our church many times uh, doing what happened then. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have that spiritual gift to teach you the health message. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse. I'm not somebody who can come and, and bring this message of health. Um, and so we're just keeping it for ourselves. Uh, and so this just tells us that God is calling everybody. It's not just the health profession. So he used the lay pioneers that we had and then he instituted medical schools and nursing schools and many started to get trained to be able to bring the health message in a more clinical role and teach people. But he still to this day needs lay people like he used the pioneers. So many times in your health ministry, people tend to think, oh, who is the doctor in the church who is going to be the health director? Or who is the nurse in the church that's going to be the health director? But that's not necessarily so. God calls all of us. If there is, actually there are many physicians who don't understand this, and they may not be the right person to be the health director. They don't have the passion. Maybe a nurse who is not interested in, in, in being in health ministries and extending the healing ministry of Christ. We pray that they would, because what a powerful witness it would be if they can use their clinical skills and understand this in a beautiful, balanced way. But many times, a lay person who has been open to hear from the Holy Spirit and to learn these principles, which many are simple, can be powerfully used by the Spirit to bring this message to where it needs to be in a balanced view. So we need to be able to embrace our lay people as well as help educate our health professionals in how God is calling them to use this message in a way that will be a blessing. To save the ones who are saying help. Now many times they're saying help, I want the gospel and I want the 28 doctrines and I want to, no, they're saying help, I need to breathe. Help, I need food. Help, I need hope. I have depression, I have anxiety, I have, you know, it goes on and on and on what their physical, mental, emotional, social needs are. And that's how Jesus came to then meet that need and that's what we need to do. As if you understand that, we'll be able to make much greater impact to glorify God. Now lastly, by doing that, we're also gonna be fulfilling the mission because we have a very specific mission. What is the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which God calls us to do in 1844, when he called that people and talked about the sanctuary and they were studying the Bible? What did they learn? What was their mission? To teach the three angels' message. What is the three angels' message? To love God and fear Him. So it's a relational message first. And then, that there are many things out there that are not the truth. 
and they need to come and really be open to learn from God what the will is uh, for him, uh, to, for each one of us to, to live. And then what? The kingdom of God is upon us. It's coming. And so that we need to be ready because there is a, a, a judgment simply means that God is still working uh, to complete uh, right now in heaven the salvation and that we are ready to receive him because he's about to come back. So we have a message of hope, a message that uh, is a message of love uh, that is hopeful for those who don't have hope and at the same time that he's coming back. And so we as a church were called to do that, to bring this message to those who don't understand it. But to fulfill the mission, we are to use the right arm of this gospel, right? He sent them to preach and to heal. And in order to be able to do it successfully, we have to fulfill uh, the same method or follow the same method that he used. Now, I know many of you have been here all week long, and I bet you that in every class you've been, you've heard this text, <laughs> probably. Christ's method alone will give true success to reaching the people. What did he do? He mingled with men as the one who desired their good. He showed what? Sympathy to them and ministered to their needs. And then by doing that, he won their confidence. It was only after that that he said, come and follow me. So that is what we're talking about, meeting people's needs, mingling with people. Mingling with those outside our church walls. Mingling with those of other faiths who also have a passion for this message, who perhaps we can partner with. Mingle with those who are out there because many times we're doing this for our own church. And we do that for our closed doors. We are not going out and marketing it to others, inviting other groups to participate, creating partnerships. We need to be able to do that or else we won't be following Christ's method. The gospel and the medical missionary work are to advance together. We've seen that. And that the principles of true health reform must be bound up. It's very sad to me when I see pastors who forget that. And they're trying to do an evangelistic series. And then they say, okay, we're going to use health. Five minutes. Let's do a health five minutes before. And then we'll get into the real message. And uh, the health becomes a hook to something else that we really want to baptize them. That's our goal. And so we're going to use health as a little thing that people will come and then we'll go with a real message because we want them to be hooked to, uh, we want, want them to be baptized. Now, is it wrong to want people to accept Christ and be deciding to follow him and baptize? No, that is our ultimate goal. We want people to find hope in Christ to the point that they embrace and accept him. But many times, that may take years. And if you're just using health as, as a hook, uh, as something that is to lead to the other piece without realizing that people see that, you know, if you're not doing something which the spirit of prophecy calls disinterested benevolence, disinterested kindness, where you're doing this for free without accepting that, um, you know, there's something else that they need to do. They will see that. If they see that you're coming and doing a screening, a health screening, because you really want them to come to your church, and then there's this revelation seminar, and there, that's that, and that's that, that's that, and that the Bible says that, and you really bombard them with what you really want to do is that for him to accept your message, uh, uh, you know, right away, they may shine away and not come back. 
But if they see that you're teaching this, you're interested in their need, in their physical need. And then the Holy Spirit will create opportunities and say, by the way, I notice you have this need here. Oh, well, you know, if they ask, this is our church, this is what we do. If you want to, we have it. Then you can connect other needs along the way. But building friendships, building this connection with them in a way that's clear. There's no strings attached. It's the love of God, no strings attached. And once you win their confidence like he did, that's when you say, do you want to follow? This is the way. You had a, a comment? Yes. Of course. They smell it. They know what, what is it really. That's right. That's a, such a good point. It takes time. Now, does it mean that we don't want them? No, we do. But we need to walk beside them until they're ready and let the Holy Spirit do the work. As you just pointed out, it was one sermon after all what Jesus did, people opened and accepted their uh, Christ's uh, message of hope. But we need to be able to walk beside people. I was uh, just a couple weeks ago in a church somewhere, and the elder came to me at the end of the service. We, we were talking about this very message. And he said, he said, we have such and such program here in the church every year. There is not one baptism that came out of that. What do you think about that? I don't think they should be having that if there's no baptisms coming out of it. What do you think about that? Okay. That's true. So, but sometimes they, they're not saying help because they think they don't need help. Right? We think, no, we know the message. Oh, we know you come to talk about health, others outside embrace it. The ones in the church, oh, I know that already. I don't need, I, I'm not in help. But then you do a health fair, they wake up. That's a good way to wake people up. How open in terms of teaching it, uh, when you're teaching it to the community. Uh, I think I, I'm not ashamed to use the message because, again, you have to use it carefully uh, with the evidence of the scientific world now is proving those. So you're not going to say, Sister White, the prophet of the Seventh-day Adventist Church said that, you know, is that's not what you say. You can list what it has there since science has proven. So you use the inspired word and say, and this is what the science says, proving this. This has been written over 100 years ago. So, you know, we have believed as, as Adventists that this is true. If you were doing that and talking about the church, many times you're not even going to talk about the church, depending on, on what you're doing. You're talking about a message of health to the community. And then later they're going to say, are you from a church? Are you from, said yes. You know, you can say that. Depends. Every program has a different goal, has a different um, audience, and a different way that you approach. But I have, no, I have no fear at all of using what we know as inspired writings, because actually the scientific world is proving all of the things that we have. Now, you've got to be careful. Many times what people do, though, they take things out of context. And they use one text that talks about not eating dinner. Or, I mean, one detail about the health, and he, as if that was the most important thing, and without taking into consideration the entire hundreds and hundreds of books she wrote on this and every single thing she said about that topic. It's very easy to take one text and use it 
without putting it in perspective with everything she wrote about that topic and about what the specific situations she was discussing when she brought that topic out. So we have to be very careful when we're using that uh, and never use it as a hammer. Never use it as, this is what we should do, this is what it, no. We need to teach it in light of evidence-based information and making sure that we are bringing the science behind it. It's very important. But yes, yeah, that's a very important point. And let me talk about that because I think it's important for us to talk about that in two ways. One is true, isn't it? When you have a pastor who is passionate about the health uh, work and using the, the health message or what we know about health ministries as the right arm, the church thrives, right? The church can do wonderful in reaching the community. Now, many times now are going to talk to us. We um, criticize the pastors for not embracing it. And many times I think we use the same hammer on the pastors that we use in the community. And we need to be very careful with that because all of us, even health leaders, we are including the pastors in a journey. Remember, it's this journey where God is teaching us and, and you know, they don't get this in the seminary. Unfortunately, I wish they, we are working towards that and there's good improvement now in, in bringing that back. You who are here, for those of you who are here last Sabbath and you heard Elder Wilson speak, I mean, there's a, a huge push from GC Health Ministries and others that we incorporate more of this message in our seminary, both for the students, both for after they're done, so that they can start to understand a little bit more. So then what I ask you to do when you go in, you may have a church where your pastor is not at all interested in this and maybe even against it. Pray for him, pray with him. Try to ask the Holy Spirit to give you gentle ways to walk beside your pastor in this journey. And in a loving way, the same way you would deal with the people out in the community or your, with your own members. Try to allow the Holy Spirit to work. And I'll tell you one thing, do what you can and even though if you don't have the pastor on board, God will open doors. And as he blesses what you are doing, the pastor will see the results. We are talking about baptism. The truth is when you do this message and you do it in the right way, God will bring baptisms. It may not be the first month, the first year. They will come because people will be committed. They will understand and that can happen. But that may take years or may take months or may take less than that. How many here came to the church because of um, some, some way influenced by the health message. Anybody? At least two or three. There's always three, three, four or five people. So we know that God is bringing people through this right arm, but it may not be the result that you see right away. We need to be patient. So I was telling that elder uh, that asked me that question, I said, you know, Jesus, when he's ministered, did he baptize and go baptize people? It's like what you're saying, it happened, the result, many came after, but many follow him, even his, even his disciples. It was after he died that they really started to grasp his message. And he was so patient with them, right? So we need to do the same and do it regardless. Did you have a comment? Yeah, wouldn't that be great? I, I know that all of us here, the choir, would love to see that. We need to make sure that, that those who are there and that we're working. God, again, is working his way, and I think more and more we'll see opportunities. That would be, that, that, that's, I think, 
a lot of our goals uh, is in terms of that. But we have to walk again beside the educators in that respect because they're the ones that are making the choices. Yes. That's right. That's a very good point you make. And actually, I will tell you, the reason many pastors sometimes are not thrilled to embrace this is because of those people they dealt with in their ministry who were judgmental, who had padlock wars, and churches were divided because of it, and they don't want to see it happen again. And so they had a bad experience sometimes with that kind of behavior. But God is so graceful, and he's, I think, helping us now come out of that you know, extreme way or judgmental way of teaching this message to a, teaching it with grace, with love. And so the pastors now, they're more open. And we had the track here for pastors this week. Um, it was wonderful. We had a large group of pastors, passionate, uh, who were embracing it, who want this message to be taught in a way that's a grace-filled message and who are interested in getting more. I can tell you our NAD health uh, ministerial director, actually I should have asked him to come here. He's here, uh, he talked to the pastors this week. He's here with us this weekend. One of the pillars of ministerial department is health. Starting with pastors own health. If we were to do tests and screenings in our pastors, like uh, the gentleman he said, just like the members, many are in trouble with their health. Uh, and so once they realize that and they start to live the message, uh, they start to understand what importance that has in their own lives, they become then more uh, open to include that. And I have here uh, Pastor Rick Remmers, who is the Chesapeake Conference president. He has a story. I don't know if we have a ch chance to, to say, but he himself went through a journey, and he's the health director for the conference. And I don't know if you want to say a couple of words about from a pastor's perspective in terms of this topic that we're talking about. Yes, and I praise God for the way he's used uh, Elder Rimmers there because, um, you know, having gone through his own experience and, and, and using this more in his own church when he was pastoring before and now as a president, and really um, it's a wonderful when we have our leaders in that regard able to contribute. And, but it's a journey. We have to be able to be careful. Some of these things he mentioned, we'll be talking through this course. We'll talk about quackery. We'll talk about some of the what is reliable, what's not, how to have a team that's balanced and, and uh, you know, people that are able to teach this from a biblical standpoint, and pastors can do that, as well as lay people can also be, uh, be able to teach it, um, learning from others, as well as having the role for health professionals when you have those. But uh, it's very important to be able to be open to work with our pastors without uh, you know, judge, being judgmental, criticizing them, but actually working with them. They want the best for the church. And uh, when the Holy Spirit impresses in their hearts that this is the way to go if they're open, uh, they, it, it's going to be a wonderful way uh, for them to then come on, on board with many of the things that you're doing, but we have to do our part. We have to have a message that's balanced and not judgmental in that sense. So, and that actually, uh, I'm going to skip that one, uh, brings us to the fact that this big need out there is a need that is really, in a way, uh, so overwhelming and gives us opportunities for ministering to people. Disease, and chronic disease particularly, is everywhere. 
And God gave us the eight remedies, right? Pure air, sunlight, stimulus, rest, exercise, and etc., etc., as the true remedies. Now, many of us want to teach and need to teach this because this is a beautiful way for us to reach uh, the people who are having the chronic diseases. However, many times we do it in a way, as we were talking about, that we focus on this only. Many, I know, in health ministries criticize sometimes the medical profession, criticize the uh, hospitals because they're not using this, you know, as much as they, they should. And I, I can see that. It's true. Many times we are not using it. But the truth is that is a role, a very important role for medical professions who have procedures, who, who attend to the acute issues so if somebody is diagnosed with cancer, there are a lot of people that come, oh no, don't have, don't go through chemotherapy, don't go to radio, don't, don't go to do this, don't go to your doctor, do the natural remedies. And this is not what we want to do. If somebody is fallen ill, they need to see a medical professional. Of course, if you have somebody who is a, a wholesome professional who understands the prevention and the treatments that are available even better, but many times, they will need a medication. They will need a procedure done. They will need surgery. They will need chemotherapy. They will need uh, other treatments that can actually help because those also save lives. There's, a, for instance, immunizations. There are people that are against immunizations because we shouldn't. Well, you know, there is a role for immunizations. Sister White took her child to be immunized for polio. So we need to be able to understand that, uh, you know, the medical procedures that are out there, some of the medications that are out there are important. And we can't, as health directors, preach against it. We need to, quite on the contrary, ask people to be seen, go through their screenings every year, go to see their physician for their physical every year, and those kinds of things. We'll talk about that a little more later on. Isn't that amazing? They're, more and more they're opening. See, as I said, the research is now uh, backing up all of this. So that is why we need to be able to go to the sites, to the places that actually are teaching it. Because many times they are teaching it more than we are. <laughs> more than we are. Yes, and he's using a lot of people. You know, there are many other faiths. You've heard about what's happening with um, Rick, um, Warren's church, right? And the Daniel diet. And do you know how he came across? And I don't know if you've heard his testimony. I learned this week that he was baptizing one day over like hundreds of people. He was overweight and heavy. And he almost had a heart attack going, you know, because they believe in b baptism by immersion. <laughs> and so he went through hundreds, like it was hundreds of people he was baptizing. And at the end he said, our people are fat. <laughs> because though not only him was overweight, but the people he was baptizing, were, there, a huge number of them were overweight and, and, and um, obese. And he was having a hard time baptizing them. He said, we need to do something. So he started reading and he came across Daniel. And then he, he is starting to teach the Daniel diet and get people. And there's this huge movement in Rick Warren's church now where they're following the Daniel diet, a plant-based you know, uh, diet and all these other pieces. And I am sure he has or will, if he has not yet, come across some of our materials. And, you know, don't be surprised that they started to teach the eight 
laws of health <laughs> and other things, as many other churches are already doing uh, in terms of what the science is saying, and they're incorporating that as well. So as we do our part, we need to do it in a way that is um, a blessing to others. Now, a nation has many um, diseases and chronic diseases that uh, we are able to do. And as you know, over the years, since the 1900s, uh, people are living longer, but not necessarily healthier lives. Uh, there are many wonderful medical uh, advancements that has happened, the antibiotics invention, you know, aseptic techniques, and many other things that came in the century, discovery of uh, uh, some procedures that are helpful and things. So people are living longer than they were in the 1900s. However, the cost, uh, as we know, the cost of medical care, this is in the U.S., but the cost of medical care has gone up, and this is happening not only in the U.S., around the world. I'm using U.S. slides because this is, you know, the initiative that we have here, but I know in Canada, Bermuda, and many of these inter-America countries that you are representing here is the same problem. Obesity is still number one. This is a picture here from the CDC. Uh, in 20 years, uh, we went from less than 10% of population uh, countrywide uh, having obesity to more than 30%. This is true in Europe. This is true, uh, you know, true around the world. And so people want easy fixes, right, with medications. But we are, have the, the opportunity to teach them about something better. And so with obesity going high, in a big study that was done some years ago, we see that there's three times as heart disease in people who are obese, three times as uh, much hypertension, three times as much gallbladder problems, three times, uh, actually 10 times as much diabetes. So we have this diabetes epidemic, right, happening. And this is not just here. It's throughout the world we see that happening. We had a big conference in Geneva in 2009. Elder Wilson was there and uh, Dr. Hennessy is here. And we were asked to be there by the WHO, World Health Organization. Anybody here was there at that conference? Good, I see a few of you. And uh, you remember that for the first time, the World Health Organization opened the doors of their headquarters to a faith group to come and meet. That caused quite a bit of steering among even the WHO leaders. Um, and I was there, I had a chance to talk to one of them who were not very happy that we were there because we were now mixing religion with what they're supposed to be doing. But actually, many of the leaders recognize that as a faith group, we are the church that has the structure such a structure that goes all the way to that little village in Africa, that little village in, in, in Russia or whatever it may be, South America, that can actually teach a message of health in a way that can make an impact in their communities. And so we are now in this partnership with the WHO where we are able to go and uh, teach um, through our nursing schools, through our churches, through our medical schools, a message that is about prevention, it's about rendering primary care for those who need uh, access, but in a way that we're looking at the whole person. It was exciting to be there in Geneva. And there is when we learned that the goal for health ministries around the world is that every church will be a center, a health center. That's how they call it, a health center. We here in North American Division, of course, uh, getting the tell the world thing, which is our mission as a church is to tell the world of the gospel. And then combining that with the GC Health Ministries team of every church uh, being a center for health, we then chose the theme, choose full life, tell the world as our theme for North America Division Health Ministries. So we want to choose full life for ourselves, choose life which is in Christ, 
and then tell the world the gospel, which includes the right arm, uh, but it's the gospel of, of God, and then that we would have every church in North American Division, and you can use that where you are in Inter-America as well, be a center for health, but not only health, like a clinical model, but a center for healing and for wholeness, where people can come and feel accepted, loved, where people know that that church and that community, they are a place that they are welcome to come, and that if they come, they're not going to be judged. They're going to be lovingly embraced with a message that is sound when it comes to health, with uh, evidence-based information, with people who are loving and offer disinterested benevolence. They're not just interested in baptizing you into their faith, but they're interested in your well-being, as Christ was. And so every church, imagine what would happen if every church in this division and around the world would become the center where people know they can go any day of the week, they can t learn about depression, about anxiety, about health, about diabetes, about anything. But you know what? They can also learn about the God who is the healer, the creator, the loving father who can give the strength uh, they need for, to face the trials of their life. Uh, Acute care or a clinic or something like that, which that's okay. I mean, you can still have, a, yeah, if you have the resources and you can have a clinic, that's great. But beyond the clinic, this is, that's why we incorporated healing, wholeness, because it has to do with uh, wellness. Whatever they are in their journey of health, they could have a terminal illness and still have wellness. Because is at their stage, they can be as well as they can be and be whole, right? That's the goal that we have. Exactly. Yes. 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 About that. Yes. Very important. And we're going to be talking about mental health is one of the huge areas uh, that are under. First of all, we don't. Many churches don't even cover that in health ministries, and we need to be able to bring that. But do it in a way that has evidence-based information. Uh, and so when we have a center that's reliable, people say, okay, that church, they are sound in what they say. They're not just teaching something, you know, off the hook that, you know, it's quackery. No, they know the science and they're teaching something that's helpful and they are bringing it in a loving way. So this is our goal. It's a journey to wholeness. But this journey to wholeness can only happen if people respond first to God's love by choosing full life, that means choosing Him, and then they learn to care for themselves and for each other. This is so key. Now, we know that if we do it in the right way, this will break down prejudice. It says that much of the prejudice that prevents the truth from entering, um, from reaching the hearts of people, and we're talking about the gospel now, the third angel's message. This may be removed if we were to use this message of health reform in the right way. When people become interested in the subject, the way is opened to other things and prepared to enter of the other truth. If they see that we are intelligent, what we're talking about, about health, then they will be more ready to believe that we are also sound in our Bible doctrines. But we need to be intelligent about health because they know uh, they will know if we're being uh, intelligent about health or not. 
Now, the truth is that soon we're not going to have ministerial work done. You know, we may not have an organized church. We may not have an organized GC, North American Division. You have a group of people out there, you know, many being persecuted, uh, and who are the church. So how are we going to do this? Medical missionary work, now termed health ministries work, really, is what will continue on as we bring this message of restoration, mind, body, and spirit, introducing Christ as we reach out. And the world needs today the same thing he needed when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. What was it? He needed a, a revelation of Christ and his love. A great work of reform is demanded. It's only through the grace of Christ that this work of restoration, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, uh, can be accomplished. Not all can be reached in the same way. And this is so important. Many are hiding their soul hunger. They're doing this inside the church, as our brother pointed out. Many times they don't recognize they need help. But the same thing happens outside. Others are in greatest need, yet they not know it, do not know it. They have neither faith in God nor confidence in man. These are people out there. They don't believe in God and they don't believe in you. They won't trust you very easily. Many of these can be reached only, she says, through acts of disinterested kindness. Remember those acts that we were talking about? Something without hooks, without strings attached. They can only be reached that way. Their physical wants must be first cared for as they see the evidence of your what? Unselfish love for free. You're not getting anything out of it. You're just doing it because you care for them, as Jesus did. It will be easier for them then to believe the love of God. Remember, these are people who don't believe in God. They don't trust God, don't trust anybody who's teaching about it, don't trust you. But if you offer disinterested kindness, she's saying they're going to have their physical needs want and then uh, um, physical wants uh, filled, and they will see the evidence of your unselfish love. They will be more likely to accept and understand Christ's love. The Lord said that we are here, yes, to teach things that many times the world is not teaching, and many institutions should do that. And we have this opportunity. Those of you who were here last weekend, anybody was not here last weekend? Let me see the hands. Quite a few of you. Okay. Our Surgeon General for the United States was here and she came to help us celebrate this initiative, Adventist in Step for Life, which is a division-wide initiative, particularly here in the U.S. for them is important because the country has launched this Let's Move initiative, which we're partnering with. And I encourage you from other countries to build partnerships with your local uh, country, state, city, mayor, whatever it may be, so that you can be alongside what they're trying to accomplish as a church. You'll be helpful to meet that need. So she was here helping us celebrate uh, this big initiative, which I hope that we'll talk a little bit more about towards the end, the third day. And you'll be able to uh, see uh, how we can do that, meeting the needs of the the. The, the country. In this case, in the U.S., there is what they call the National Prevention Strategies. And uh, here, I'm just going to go quickly show you what they are. Because we as a church, for decades, we have been teaching some of these things. 
tobacco-free living, prevention of drug abuse and excessive alcohol. We've done that well. Many years, five days stop smoking program. We talk about alcohol. We now have the Adventist Recovery Ministries, uh, which is right next door being taught. A ministry that you hear a little bit more this morning about is to help people break away from addictions, holding support groups in our churches. Similar to AA meetings, it's a 12-step program, but it's Christ-centered and Christ-focused. And we're doing that now is under the health ministries department. You want to know more about that? You have a newsletter. I have it here. If you haven't got one, you should get one here with us today. Then healthy eating, active living. We've done that forever. We're doing this big initiative, Adventist Step for Life, which has to do with physical activity and healthy diet to reverse obesity. And then look at what the other one is, mental and emotional health. As I was saying, we are, have not done enough on that. And we need to really pay more attention to that. Dr. Neil Natalie has a wonderful depression recovery program, which is scientifically based and looks at our message, blending it in a beautiful way. Uh, we have other practitioners, such as the psychiatrist who's here, others through Adventist Recovery Ministries um, who are right next door. Loma Linda has a behavioral health center that is you know, doing much in this area. But we need to bring this topic to our churches as part of health ministries. We need to continue uh, doing more on that area. Reproductive and sexual health, there's a lot that, there are many needs in this area that are not being met. Uh, one of them as a result of that has to do with AIDS, HIV AIDS. We have in the back Dr. Giordano and his wife, uh, Dr. Eugenia and Oscar. They are doing wonderful ministry in this area. We have a huge need to um, deal with those who perhaps for whatever reason have acquired HIV AIDS and other needs that are related to sexual health, reproductive health as well. We need to be able to bring those topics to our health ministries. Uh, the other one is injury, violence, and prevention. Injury and violence free living. We as a church launched End It Now a few years ago. How many of you have not heard of End It Now? Oh, good, just one. Everybody who has heard of End It Now, raise your hand. Good, many didn't raise their hands at all, so they are not sure if they know or they don't know. Well, this is an initiative that was launched by ADRA and Women's Ministry a few years back, and it has to do with prevention and awareness uh, again, of violence against women and girls. It's an epidemic. It's a public health problem around the world. And we as a church took a stand on that, and Women's Ministry has done a wonderful job getting the word out. But we need to partner with them to get the word out about violence. Our churches have many women and men who are both suffering from abuse and they don't know who to talk to. We need to be able to provide resources. There's a track we're hosting this weekend on abuse and uh, what we can do as a church. This is an area that's a priority around the world. It's a public health problem. It's an area that we need to embrace as well in health ministries. So as you can see, there, these are priorities here in the U.S., but they are pretty much priorities around the world. These are public health problems that all the countries are struggling with. And we need to be able as a church to partner with the initiatives that are locally being sponsored by the government, by others, and say, we as a church, we, we have a role to play. We can help you in this regard. And then that will be another way that the right arm will open the doors to what needs to be done. So we have been known. Uh, God has been opened the doors for us to be known as a church, as the people who live long, who uh, have something good to say about health. You remember the National Geographic uh, article. We were there, as I said, in Geneva. 
And uh, we are now here in this division with this initiative called Advancing Step for Life, where the Surgeon General came, the White House is participating with us. This can happen where you are in your country. And many other countries around the world are reaching out with a message, with initiatives that are meaningful. And we want you to um, be able to incorporate those. I am talking about Advancing Step for Life because this is our division initiative. And uh, many ministries are participating. You cannot work in this ministry alone, isolated from other ministries. You have to partner with children's ministries, youth ministries, adult ministries, you name it, family ministries, with your pastor, with community services. All the ministries of the church should be on the umbrella of health and wholeness. Because all these groups, they have something, some need in terms of health. And so when you're going to do your health program in planning, in assessment, which you'll learn tomorrow and this afternoon, you have to be able to think collaboration in your church. If you're going to be successful, you need to partner with other ministries. This is what we're doing with this initiative. All our health systems, Hope Channel, all of our schools are participating. And there are actually many more ministries than this. Now we added ministerial, disability ministries, um, family ministries and women's ministries, and chaplains are now joining us in this initiative, along youth and children and uh, community services uh, who were already with us last year. So this brings more strength to what we are doing. We are interested in making the community a healthier place. And this is the website. If you have not yet registered, I encourage you to go to the website and register your church, yourself, and start recording your miles and uh, some of the other goals related to the initiative. We have uh, the Let's Move Day. This year is going to be on the 23rd of September. And so you have all year long to plan for a day where everybody all the churches and schools in North America will be planning events on, it could be a 5K, a walk, a run. It could be just about anything that you can do inviting your community to walk with you. In this big initiative that we have for 2013 in New York, as you know, there's an urban evangelism crusade being planned. We are working directly with them. There may be a big 5K on Let's Move Day at Central Park. There will be several hundreds of churches that will be hosting events on Let's Move Day. Again, a way to embrace, uh, one of the many things we were doing, to embrace the community and let them know we care about health. And then many other programs will be uh, done and screenings done because we can use this as a way to really uh, mobilize our communities. This is a group in Toronto who actually uh, was very active. Uh, I think it's Toronto, it's in Canada, who did Let's Move Day in a beautiful way and send their pictures. We invite you to be engaged in this initiative. Of course, here during the summit, uh, we, are, we taught that this week. And uh, we are using this message as an entering wedge. But I wanted to show you something very important. And we are going to end with this. Even though this message is a message that can be powerfully used, we need to remember what this text says. Sister Weiss says, and I'll start with this quote here. While the health work has its place in the promulgation of the third angel's message, its advocates must not in any way strive to make it take the place of the message. When we use the health message as the message, and when we teach it in a way that takes a place of the gospel message, the Christ-centered, grace-filled message of salvation, we bring them balance. 
to the health work. So you have the duty to not in any way make this message be the message. This is the right arm of the message. Many times there are churches that want to do a ton of uh, work in humanitarian work. It's wonderful. It's part of the message. But the message is really a Christ-centered message. People want to do a, people want to do a um, you know, clinic or teach a cooking school and, and doing all, all these wonderful things related to the health message. Sometimes they're focusing on that only. And they forget to bring Christ always as the center <coughs> and the reason why we're doing it. And so, yes, we hope that this message will have such an impact that it's going to be in everywhere. It will be given its place in the councils of the church, in the work of the church, in the home, um, you know, in the table, in the conferences, in the units, everywhere. We'll have the gospel and the right arm with it. This is how it should be. Because when that happens, the right arm will really serve the body. But we must remember it is the right arm and it's not the body, right? This is the balance that we must remember. The Bible says in Romans, and this is so important, you're going to encounter people that, for instance, in terms of food, they're not ready to accept it, you know, and the church may be slow uh, in, in getting to where you think they need to be. But remember Paul, he's saying that love and grace come before food and be, uh, come before food before people. So that has to be the focus that we do when we reach out to people. People come before food. Love and grace come before what you're teaching. If your brother is grieved because of your food and uh, what you're teaching, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food. And now I'm talking about those potluck wars, those, because I know that's many times what brings division. Do not destroy with your food the ones for whom Christ died. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. Pursue the things which make for peace and for which one may edify the other. We need to remember that. I'm going to close um, telling you a story that happened in um, here, someplace in the U.S. And Dr. Harding talks about this story. He went to a church to preach uh, on health. And at the end of the sermon, it was a beautiful message. They had a potluck. They went downstairs. The person prayed. And as soon as, right be, before she was about to pray, the leader of the potluck said, okay, we're going to pray now. He was, Elder, uh, Dr. Harding comes from us. You're in the first line. Okay, he was the first in the line. And she said, now, I just want to tell you before we pray, this dish has cheese in it. And that dish has cheese in it. All right, let us pray. So they prayed. So he was the first to be served. So what did he do? Now, he tells a story. He's not really caring. He doesn't care much for macaroni and cheese. That was the dish. But he went, and the first dish he picked was the one that had the cheese on it. And he put a whole bunch in his plate. And then he served himself of the foods that he normally likes to eat. Time went by. But luck was over, and he noted there was a lady in the corner crying. And he just approached her and said, is everything okay? He was concerned for her. And she said, I'm so glad. I was waiting for to talk to you. She said, I am a recently converted to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's been three months since I was baptized. And I don't know what this health message is. People talk about the health message. 
I know this lady, every time we have a potluck, she has something to say about my dish. It's not right, and I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong, but I know it has to do with this health message. Can you tell me what is, what is this mess, health message? I will tell you today, when she made that comment, I told myself, this is the last day I will come to this church because I don't seem to get it right. But when you went and you took a spoonful of my dish, God told me, wait, talk to him. And so I just want to talk to you because this is not something that I've ever learned. Uh, and I want to know, I want to do it right. So he spent time with her, said, let's talk. And we went up and spent two hours talking about the health message. And sharing about the Christ of the message. And he tells the story. She was very happy to hear that. He told the pastor about what's going on. And uh, just recently, he asked, he saw that pastor three years that have gone by. And he said, so what happened to that story? The pastor, oh, when you told me, I went. And I um, talked to the lady at the potluck. And I talked to the lady uh, who was hurt and you know, things were resolved. Now, three years later, that lady is the leader of the potluck. And the other one decided to leave our church and go to another church. And, um, you know, we have a duty to have a grace-filled message. And uh, if we do it in a way that's judging people, Christ won't be come through. But if we do it counting on His love and grace and teaching that to people, we'll bring the balance that we need in this message. May He help us as we continue following in his lead, following his method, because his method alone will bring true success. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. We need your spirit. We need you to teach us what we need to do. Help us to have the balance we need to have. At this time, as we now start to get ready for the worship time, be with us. Help us to open our hearts and be able to fulfill what you have for us as we incorporate this wonderful message that comes from you into our ministry, into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.